This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good evening, listeners. He is risen. He's alive. Hallelujah. Amen. He's risen indeed. Yes. And it's so lovely to be with you again um, the day after the Monday of Resurrection Sunday. And, of course, the beautiful, the, the resurrection message of Jesus still reverberates in our ears during this time. It's a, a very special time mm. on the Christian calendar. But the fact is that even with that message, um, it doesn't mean that all our problems are solved. Yeah. Yes. And um, we often say in the recovery and restoration uh, groups that our addictions never take a holiday. They never take a break. They are persistent day out, day day in, and um, addictions never take holidays. And then, of course, um, this month we talk about, our topic is about partners, friends, and family members of addicts and how difficult it is for them. And then for sure during this time and like even in times when the addicts' addictions don't have a holiday, um, partners and parents of addicts don't have a holiday either. Mm, mm. <laughs> the problems continue and persist and therefore it's so important to draw close to Jesus. We're talking to Venita today and she's going to tell us a little bit about this ongoing struggle in her own life as a family member and a parent and I think also a partner or ex-partner of an addict. Um, but at the same time, also the message of Jesus and the difference that it makes in, in her life. I'm so excited to have Vanita with us, Suki. And uh, she's going to be sharing from pure personal experience. Right. This is not a theoretical book experiences that she's talking about. Um, she's participated and is involved in support groups uh, for specifically for family members and friends and and so forth of those struggling with addiction. So she's speaking from her heart and from deep personal experience. Thank you, Vanita. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share with you today. We are so excited to have you, and thank you for being vulnerable. We know it's not easy. Many of these problems are ongoing in your own life. So like Frederick said, you are talking from raw pain and experience. Um, Yes, can you tell us a bit about your story? Yes, um, I have to start with my dad. Uh, My father abused alcohol, and his problem... Uh, with the abuse of alcohol became a problem for me in my mid-high school years. I was the eldest daughter, so I had younger siblings, and it was really much harder for them afterwards. My parents eventually got divorced. My dad managed to get custody of the younger siblings, three of them. And uh, it's not that my mother was a bad person. It's just that he was a very persistent person Mm. in his personality. And you know what was... um, My dad was loved by everybody in the little town that I grew up with. Uh, grew up and um, with everybody else just, just loved my dad. But my mom always used to say, they don't know you. They don't know the person mm. that mm. we live with on mm. weekends at home. Mm. So it was not easy. 
And then, of course, you know, we make inner vows uh, when we are ignorant. And later on, we learn that that was a very bad thing to do. I made an inner vow, and I always vowed that I would not marry someone like my father. Mm. But that was exactly what happened, and that's mm. what I did. Mm. And a huge problem from the time we got married, you know, it was really a huge problem. It's not like a progressive. It wasn't like progressive in my dad's case. It was just bad. From the start, and I loved him. He was a wonderful person when he was sober, but he was not. He was like a monster when he was, you know, that devil that you see mm-hmm. uh, when he was drinking. So, yeah, I tried to reach out. I heard about 12-step programs. I couldn't get one close to where I lived, so I didn't go. Seven years went past. It got very bad. The addiction was progressed even more. I was so desperate and powerless one night, you know, that I actually thought of murder. And a God said to me in a very audible voice, um, you must phone those numbers again and find out if there are groups close to you. And, you know, it was so amazing because there were groups, two groups in walking distance from where I, wow. where I lived. And that to me was God incidents. Mm-hmm. It was not coincidence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started attending recovery meetings. And it was exactly what I needed. And um, my road started in learning and understanding what addiction was and how it affects the family because it's a family illness. Any addiction, uh, the whole family is is, is affected and Mm. the family needs recovery. People always think if the addicted person or the person with a gambling problem or whatever problem they have can just stop that uh, behavior, then everything will be fine. But it's not like that. Mm -hmm. It took years Mm -hmm. for us to get where we are. So it's a journey that we need to go into mm. when we recover. Mm. Benita, how long was yeah. this ago? Mm. Just a moment. I just want to know um, how long ago did you okay. start joining um, my, uh, I, You know, we don't like to talk about years, mm. but um, because we always say just for today, mm. uh, about 35 years wow. that I've been in the mm. program. And journey. what I just would like to add was that um, my youngest son, you know, I never realized that my youngest son was going to develop a very huge problem and that I was so grateful that I was in a 12-step program in a very, you know, I was very strong in my recovery when his problem became evident. And I was so grateful for that. My daughter also developed a problem, but she's a different kind of a person and she addressed it and she's been in recovery for five years. So her story wasn't a problem from the beginning like my sons you know and like my husband my husband died at age of 42 Mm. of a massive heart attack and it was basically also because he didn't take care of himself and of course the abuse Mm. Mm. so that's where I are today I still have my son in my life and uh, he's living with me and it's not always easy Mm. Sure, Benita you're sharing so deeply from out of your heart thank you so so much Um, You know, as you were sharing about your dad that was loved by the community but was a monster uh, at home, especially when he was drinking, it really reminds me that uh, the person that you fell in love with before the addiction revealed itself is very different from the person that is addicted. Absolutely. and, And it becomes very, very difficult to keep loving that person when he's in active addiction. 
Mm. And to yes. know how to love. What does it mm. mean? What does it look mm. like yeah. to love? And I don't think it often looks like to other people. Like if we start doing healthier, healthy behavior towards the addict, if people look from outside, they might not think it's healthy at all. Mm. Because if you would have done that behavior with someone that's not an addiction, it might have been cruel. So what do you say Absolutely. about that, Benita? Yeah, now, that is true. Um, you know, people outside don't always understand. For mm -hmm. instance, people would have said to me in the past uh, that was not in the program, uh, would say, well, if it's so bad, why are you still there? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And, um, you know, and, and then uh, getting back to my, my, my son, you know, it's your, it's your flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy for somebody to say, kick him out, you know. Um, hmm. Yeah, if it was your son, I would also kick him out, but he's my son. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's very hard. Um, yes, you know, but what helps is a 12 step program that helps us to look at ourselves, you know, to hmm. start our journey and in recovery and work on our personality mm -hmm. because we are, mm -hmm. not, we are not angels either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can manipulate very well and, um, you know, play a martyr mm. and all those kind of behavior patterns that we learned mm. from a young age that we now have to get rid of. Mm. So, you know, the big thing to me was really the understanding of, of this addiction, to understand this person and to love them despite that. And I've always tried to tell my son, even when he was, when he behaved abusively, verbally or emotionally towards me, to tell him, you know, when I have an opportunity, that I love him, you know, mm. and I will mm. always love him, but mm. I can't tolerate his bad behavior. I can't mm. allow it. Mm -hmm. mm. Sure. You know? Thank you very much, Vanita. You know, we're at the point of taking a break, and after the break, I would really like to hear, um, you know, these, the behaviors that you displayed uh, they came from your family of origin, and I, I would just like to know after the break, how uh, is your life affected today by what you experienced in your family of origin? So mm -hmm. let's just take a quick break, and we'll be back. Thank you. Thank you, Vanita, and thank you, listeners, for being with us again. For those of you just tuning in, um, please stay with us. So, Vanita, I was saying that uh, your family of origin has an enormous impact on our lives today. What was your experience with regards to this? Definitely, especially also because I was the eldest daughter and uh, I was the second born. My, the eldest one in our family was my brother. And, um, you know... I always tried to keep everybody happy mm. and to do things. You know, it was like expected of me. I'm the eldest daughter, so I must take care of the siblings. Mm. So you become sort of a buddy body um, and you, because, but only because you want to help. You don't understand that you are taking control and you're trying to be controlling. Um, mm. So I was very grateful when I got into the 12-step program where I could learn, you know, that I was not just helpful. I was being controlling. And uh, sometimes maybe even to the point where I would try and manipulate without even realizing yes. that I'm manipulating. And, you know, mm -hmm. so, yeah, um, I'm grateful. I often say to people, if um, if I'd never found a 12-step program that forced me to look at myself, mm. to work on my character and my problems, then I'd, I probably, 
people probably wouldn't have liked me. Mm-hmm. And I also try and save people, you know. I was always busy with these people that needed help and, mm-hmm. yeah, trying to save the world. So mm-hmm. I'm glad and happy to say that that changes. The longer we do are in recovery and continue doing the 12 steps and, you know, doing service and helping others, we find the balance because mm. it's about balance to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the pro for the twelve step program. Amazing. So I always say if the whole world could do the twelve step program, yes, yes, be a different yes. place. We often talk about it, and it's interesting because when people go for treatment. Um, they often get introduced to twelve step programs, and many many psychologists and um, people help people alongside to know because the first thing is I'm powerless. The second yep. thing is the second step is um, I look to God because He's the only one that can restore my sanity. You know, it's it's just so true. And as you were talking, I could hear from your how this this thing of growing up in an alcoholic family. We always say. You need to forget about it. It doesn't matter. So often we say it doesn't make any difference. I just put it behind me. Oh, no, there's no way. I mean, the things that we've learned with, that we've grown up with, become part of the way we cope with life. And you just explained how the manipulation and control had come in and it affected your choices and your decisions. So how do you move away from that? Um, Definitely by working the trusted program and the tools that we get in the program. Now you need to help people to know what that means for those people who don't. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Mm. Um, Support groups. um, Many support groups work on the same principle, but they do it slightly differently. I've learned over the years. Um, I've heard there is about 300 groups that use the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous mm. have adapted it to them to their own situation or their own problem. Mm. And you know, the, for me, the tools is, I, I, don't, I can't speak for other programs, but the program that I'm in work the slogans. And of, you were speaking, Nana, about step one, two, and three. Those are my favorite steps mm. because uh, I'm a believer and I have to give everything that I struggle with to my God. Mm. Um, my redeemer. So, if when I'm in a difficult situation, which sometimes is every day, mm. I'll give it. I'll give this problem because I'm powerless over this problem mm. or this place or this thing, mm. Mm. and I will give it to God. But, but first, I'm powerless, but God is not. Three step three says, give it to Him, and mm. I do that. Mm. And of course, um, when things get tough, you know. The word is always there to to guide us, mm. and one of my favorite ones, of course, is um, Philippians four verse thirteen that says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Mm. Mm. And um, yes, we get new strength when we think we can't anymore. We just get new strength, and then you know where it comes from. Mm. Absolutely! Mm. Wow. Um, you were mentioning step three. It also says, I give my life and my will over to him. And that's part of the surrendering part, right? Uh, where I And I need to figure out how in this practical situation now do I give my will to him? How do I give my life with the issues that I'm having today over to him? And that also, you were also mentioning the slogans. Could you mention one or two of the slogans that you often use? My favorite slogan is, let go and let God. Mm-hmm. 
because it's to me um, like doing step one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, my practical other situation one, quickly. If you can give me a practical situation of where what shows what you need to let go of. <laughs> Um, like if you see your son getting onto a motorbike and he's been drinking, Ooh. you know, mm-hmm. that is real for me. And I can just say, I give you, I give my son over to you, wow. God, and I let go, I let go because sure. you love him more than I love him. Mm-hmm. And for a person who's not a Christian, who's not in the program, they might think you are irresponsible, right? I'm not saying you are, yes. but I'm saying people who don't understand because they don't know how we've tried over and over to save and to rescue and where we need yeah. to get to a place where we can just give it over, where we need to surrender. It also how? reminds me of the serenity prayer. <laughs> you know. Exactly. And how can I take control of that person? He's a, he's a grown-up person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't exactly. stop him. He's exactly. physically stronger mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. It's not a little child in primary school mm-hmm. that I can stop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it really brings people. me to the serenity prayer that says, Lord, help me to accept the things I cannot change. Help me to Absolutely. change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. Eh? What yeah. a powerful prayer that we've mm. got. We mm. do that all the time. It just helps you to focus, you know? Mm. You know, so Vanita, I, I also in one of your one of your shares just now, you were talking about um, your father was an alcoholic, and you had said to yourself, like I also had said to myself, um, my father was an alcoholic. I'm not going to be an alcoholic, but eventually I had addictive tendencies. And I passed those on to our children. Mm. Um, so what effects and how how do family members uh, usually, what do they usually tend to do um, in your experience? Um, you know, I, as you said earlier on, I'm going to speak about my real life. Mm. So I am very grateful to say that in my family, my siblings, none of us are alcoholic or any other problem like gambling mm. or mm. Uh, and that's to me just by the grace of God. Absolutely. But I, with my own son, uh, unfortunately, my youngest son, um, it is a problem. Mm. Mm. So, but they did. Sometimes they do have other problems that I can see because they're not all in a 12-step program. Mm. And I can't change them and tell them to go to one. I've suggested it. Mm-hmm. But um, people do what they feel okay mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And we have to just accept other people's choices. Mm-hmm. Um, can't force people right. to do things that I want to do. And you yeah. know what you said that, sorry, um, mm. you said uh, you, no, none of you guys are alcoholics or have addictive tendencies, but you married an alcoholic. And that's often what happens, eh? because often... yes. In a coupleship, the one person is the one with the addict, with the addiction, and the other one is the co-addict, the one that's helping or enabling that person. Mm. So, yeah, that's what and what so- I see in our family as well, and in many other families. That so often, if there's not an active addiction, there's often a co-addiction that leads to the person actually marrying an addict or a potential addict. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Or sometimes mm-hmm. they just workaholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they are just absent. Mm. 
I totally can relate to that, Vanita, yeah. because um, I didn't become an alcoholic. Uh, my father was an alcoholic, and I said, I'm not going to become an alcoholic, but my addictive tendencies came from my father, and I was an mm. absent father as well just like my father was an absent mm. father. And it's a disengagement. Mm, being disengaged, yeah. uh, not being emotionally available to my, to my wife, to Suki, uh, to the children. So that is our tendencies, you know, our typical natural default tendencies. Mm. And I would like to add, if we are not in a journey or on a journey of restoration and recovery, because those things changed as soon as I was able to embark on a journey of restoration and joined uh, communities in which I can uh, experience restoration. And with that, you don't yeah. say it's perfect now, right? Yeah, because no, I mean, it's not me perfect. too. I'm a co co addict mm, or mm. the enabler one. Yeah. I used to try and rescue, though, but there are still times when I find going myself going back to their default mm. behavior, in spite of the fact yes. that I've been in these programs for how long. But it just becomes yes. easier, for, especially in times of high stress and high struggle. Um, uh, that's when I often find myself into my anxiety, going back into my default behavior, getting into my controlling behavior again. But yes. it's easier for me to admit it. It's easier for me to recognize it. Mm. And that takes mm. me to the step that, Step six, step seven, where where we admit that we had made a mistake and we mm. make amends and mm. we don't need to stay in that. We can acknowledge it. We can get out of that. Do you have something to comment on that just before the end of the program because we need to end soon? Yeah, to be able to be honest with yourself. Um, yeah, very important. Yeah, I know. In our program, we 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 say our slogan is we talk about reality, restoration, and redemption in the face of addiction. Mm. So we talk really about the realities. But uh, Vanita, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, I just thank like to you remind for the me. yes, <laughs> it's so great to have you and uh, remind the listeners that they can send their comments or questions to Frederick Suki, um, Frederick, F-R-E-D, and Suki, S-O-E-K-I-E, at kpulpa.co.za. And if you missed a, a program in the past or this halfway through this one, get to the podcasts at kpulpit forward slash podcasts forward slash into me see. And if you would like your friend to listen to this and you heard something very helpful that Vanita shared, please pass it on to them. Share it with your friends. Till next time, God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.